Hey, welcome to The Screenwriting Life. I'm Meg LaFove. And I'm Lorianne McKenna. We are professional screenwriters. We've worked together as a team and separately. We've worked on studio and indie films, live action and animation, from my work on Inside Out and Captain Marvel. To my work in Pixar's story department on Up, Brave, and Inside Out. We are here to share our insights on the craft of screenwriting and also the life. How to not only survive the ups and downs, but thrive. We want to help you become the best screenwriter you can be and to reassure you that you are not alone on this journey. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Today, we're chatting with Joey Tuccio, the founder of Roadmap Writers. Joey started in the industry at Bold Films and has read for Hugh Jackman's company, George Clooney's company, and Night and Day Pictures, to name just a few. And now Joey spends his time running Roadmap Writers, a screenwriting education and training platform for career writers looking for a guided path to success. Since 2016, they've helped more than 200 writers sign to representation and countless others get staffed, optioned, or sell their script. So we thought that would be a great thing for our listeners uh, to hear about. Hi, Joey. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome, Joey. I'm just going to say this to start it off, and this is not me sucking up. I am having a little bit of imposter syndrome being here with you all. So I am so humbled and excited to be here. So thank you for inviting me. Oh, I, I, well, you're very welcome. And I just think this topic and what you do is so relevant to emerging writers, obviously. But I also think pro writers, a lot of us need to brush up on some of our skills, like, I don't know, general meetings being face-to-face. I don't know. We could talk about so many things. Um, but first, we're going to talk about um, what we did this week or what we like to call adventures in screenwriting. So, Lorian, how was your week? My week was full of life and writing, as always, and I continue to juggle the multiple projects I have in development. Um, but what I want to talk about is that this weekend, I went to see my first professional soccer game. It was women's soccer. It was Angel City versus Gotham at the Bank of America Stadium. It was really cool. And before the show, you know, so it's all women power, right? I think Hollywood women own the team. I think, you know, it's these fierce athletes. And at the beginning, right before the start of the game, skydivers came in and landed on the field and they had little like smoke things coming out the back of their heels and it was really cool and you know they just landed and then like ran a couple feet and they were done like there's no crashing or spinning and I just automatically assumed that these were men skydivers it took until the third of the fourth to think I wonder if there's a woman in the bunch turns out they are this all women skydiving team that's mission is to uh, promote to women and girls that they can do anything they want. And it was really cool and they were international, but just sort of checking my bias in that moment was really painful. Like just fundamentally, like I just assumed they were all men and of course white men, right? So it, it, it was, uh, I, I guess I just have so much work to do in terms of like that my, that my daughter doesn't have. Right. How said, wonderful. How wonderful that that's normal to her. I turned oh. to her and I said, oh, I, I thought those were men. She goes, of course, they're women, mama. Like it's a so women's great. soccer game. 
Like what's wrong with you? You know? And she goes, and they might not be women. They might be they or them or something else. And I was like, I know Quincy, I know. Like she's constantly <laughs> checking me. It's just so natural for her to navigate the world that way. But it's still really challenging for me sometimes. Yeah, like yeah. it just naturally comes up and I have to be like, oh, it takes me a beat, you know? And I just, I want to work harder at that. But that's sort of what I'm as, you know, as we get back into the world and apparently, I don't know, everyone's acting like COVID is over, just navigating, checking my pronouns all the time, checking my assumptions about who people are and what they're about, just bigger than gender and those issues. Just like, I don't know what is going on with people and just sort of trying to be more kind to but myself. But it also speaks to, to why representation in yes. films, television, whatever, creativity, games, whatever, is so important yes. because I re- I can remember very vividly in my 30s for the first time seeing a female conductor conduct a symphony in front of me. Mm. And I literally broke my brain because I had never seen it before. I just, that it was possible. And of course, as soon as you see it, you're like, of course a woman can conduct a symphony. But if you've never seen it, it just doesn't, you know, we need a woman president, sorry. But um, yeah, so I totally- Not sorry. We're not sorry. I'm not sorry that we need it, but I don't want to bring politics. Um, all right, Joey, how was your week? It was good. I mean, I we were just talking about this before we started, is that I get uh, a little, I guess maybe even jealous of the generation today to be able to express themselves so freely. When I was growing up in this conservative town in Westchester, like, and being gay, it was like, you could not be different. You had to be very much like everybody else and being different was completely frowned upon. And now it's like the complete opposite is now you really have, people want to embrace that. But um, for me this weekend, I also do animal rescue. So I went to the shelter, was able to rescue a couple of dogs. Um, I am, it's, I guess, connecting to writing and humanity of characters. It's very interesting stepping outside of my house in Studio City and going to, you know, different areas that the people have different, um, I guess, uh, (laughs) outlooks towards animals um, and getting closer to those people and seeing what makes them tick and why they treat animals like they do. Um, It was a very kind of topsy-turvy weekend. A a dog that we rescued a while ago um, passed away and then we're able to rescue another dog um, that was a senior dog. So it's just a lot of ups and downs and crying and cheering, but there was no skydivers and there was no jetpacks. So yours is more exciting. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Very that emotional. That. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. It's interesting, Joey. I hope I'm not speaking out of turn here, but it's interesting. I have a ton of friends in the community, the LGBTQIA plus community. And, you know, I'm a little younger than you, but they too talk about the internalized homophobia and shame that you just carry with you, even as the world has changed so much. So I appreciate you sharing that, but like, I just want you to know, you're not alone in that experience either, even as culture and, you know, generations have changed the way they kind of view that experience. Yeah. It's so interesting. I mean, like, maybe we'll talk about this later and I don't want to like hog up the time or anything, but even going through the industry, I was always the only gay employee. All my bosses were straight. And it was, oh, I always felt like, oh, he's gay. He doesn't matter. Or he like, whatever. He's just a throwaway. Um, and it wasn't until, I guess, relatively recently that I'm kind of stepping into my power. And I think it's a lot of, of it is because I see writers stepping into their power and embracing trauma and putting that into their writing. Um, so I think that's just inspiring for me. Jeff, how was your week? 
You know, I have been bitching about the fact that I've been like in this rejection hole, which is a part of our experience, but we actually got into our first festival. So yeah. Yay! Congratulations! Thanks so much. What is it? What's your festival? Yeah. So we'll be playing the Marina Del Rey Film Festival um, at the end of June. Um, We're premiering at the Cinemark 18 uh, near Culver City off the 405, which is a great theater. Um, I'm like panicking right now, trying to figure out how to turn the movie into a DCP, which is like how it airs on big fancy screens and movie theaters. But um, yeah, I'm part of the reason I'm announcing it is one because Meg and Lorian have been so important and helpful for me getting this to where it is. So I want to thank you both for your support. I want to thank the community for being along for the ride. And I will say, you've been hearing me talk about this movie. If you're curious at all, I will drop the link to purchase a ticket to come see it. It's, oh, yeah. I'm going to yeah. be out of town. I can't yeah. believe I'm not going to get a bill to be there. But everybody go support Jeff. Yes. It's good. It's a it's a feel good coming of age drama. It's an uplifting movie and it's only 85 minutes. So I always like a short movie. And uh, oh my God, it's only 85 minutes. I will say I'm whether or not this is right. If I find out a movie's over two and a half hours, I'm like, uh, it's a long time. So um, it's an 85 minute in and out. Uh, I think you'll enjoy it. And it's good. really good and Thanks, moving yes. and fun and amazing performances and a great story and so many, so many things. Go see Tons it. of lava, too. If you want to see me bleed for you all. It's very, very personal. So, yeah. Lava, lava. All right. Yeah. Now, uh, on Facebook, if you want to go on Facebook, uh, what should Jeff wear to his <laughs> premiere? Ooh, do it. Let's do that. Let's I love do that, that question. <laughs> I love that. I need help. So, yeah. Congratulations. Thanks. And as I mentioned, I'll drop the link in the description below. If you're curious, again, it's on Wednesday, June 22nd at 7.30 p.m. Um, it'll be airing at the Cinemark 18 off the 405. And I'm going to drop the link for tickets in the description below. Um, you'll just want to scroll down and find block E-E-E-E, that's block quadruple E, and the movie's called Always Lola. You'll see the film title right there, and I'd love it if you come. And if you come, make sure you say hi. I want to meet all of our TSL fam. Meg, how was your yes. week? My week was long. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, did some work all through the holiday Um you know, what I'm realizing is number one, I am a terrible judge of when I think I'll get this part of the script done by this date, or I'll get the whole script done by this date. I'm terrible at judging that. I mean, like super bad, like literally I'll be like, yes, of course, I'll have nine scenes, nine sequences done by tomorrow, 11. I'm like, of course, then you get in there and you're like, what am I doing? I have to like, there's something in my brain that doesn't allow me to, which is helpful in that I take things on because I don't think about the giant black holes that are going to open up or things don't like everybody has agreed on this, but that doesn't actually work. Or you're in the third act. This always happens no matter what project you're on. And you're like, oh no, I got to change this whole thing, which means all of that has to be rewritten. Right. I just am a terrible, I have some, some deficiency and I should never I need to stop committing to what time I'm going to give something over even to my writing partners because it's just I just don't do it um and the other thing that happened that I've been thinking a lot about for my writing is I read a, a quote from Catherine Hepburn when she was doing Long Day's Journey into Night and I think I posted on the Facebook page for our group that she came in asking uh the director this is for the film what that she wanted to find the foundational sentence of her character And I've been thinking about that a lot in terms of the script right now that I'm writing. Could I do that? Could I give you a foundational sentence for the main character, a foundational sentence 
for any of these characters in terms of the specificity and what really is at the bottom of this. And then I went to see Top Gun and I'm not going to give anything away because it's really good and you should go see it. It's super fun. See it on a big screen. You cannot believe they actually flew these planes this way, but you can tell that they did. Um, and it's a good story. And I'm not giving anything away because they say it pretty quickly, but one of the characters is being told to think, not do. And it's a very simple sentence. It's really like five, you know, five words long. Um, uh, sorry, I said it backwards. It's don't think, do, is what they're telling him. I just said it backwards, sorry. Um, and it does, it ripples through the whole movie. It's like this string that the movie with all these, with so many fly, fire, um, uh, you know, pilots and so love affairs and all this other stuff going on, this little string can, is moving through and it has a wonderful great punch uh, towards the end. So just trying to think about, I think that I am a writer who puts a ton of stuff in my early drafts and it's really starting to get disciplined to choose. <laughs> what that foundational idea or creation of the character is versus the 10 things I have in there, if you know what I mean? Like, okay, but really what is it? What is this? And it's tricky, right? Cause you want a complex character, a layered character and yet not to just be a singular archetype and yet it can't be too much either. So it's just kind of swimming around in that and thinking about that right now. Um, but let's get on to roadmap writers. Before we, I'm going to dispute what you said, Meg, earlier about you're not good at knowing how much you can accomplish. I have worked on two feature films with you, and I have co-written two projects with you, and I do this podcast with you. And I think you are extraordinarily good at communicating expectations and what you can do. I think right now you feel that way for whatever reason, but I have personal experience with you. I overcommit. <laughs> okay. Not okay. really, not really taking into account how complex writing can be. I think we all don't really think about the amount of time and effort it takes, the amount of drafts and revisions and fuck, all that just fell apart, go back to get to the simplicity that I'm talking about. Like it literally takes hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours and scenes and work to boil it all, just first of all, to find all of the ideas. Now let's make them work as a story. Now let's boil them down. I mean, it doesn't, Top Gun is really good. And you can tell that they took how many years they took, what, how many decades they took to get this script. It is no mistake how long they've worked on this script. And you can see it in the, in the screen and in, in the movie. Can I say too, it's so, it's so inspiring to like see people at your level being still learning and still, not having the tunnel vision. And I, I, I work with a lot of emerging writers and sometimes when people come in, especially if they have, they come from like another profession, like they, a lot, sometimes they don't want to learn. They're like, no, this is the way it says. I don't want to start from the, the bottom and work my way up. Um, and this is just a good, um, just kind of a good scenario where like people at your level that are still learning and, and growing. I think that's amazing. Well, I think as an artist, you have to, you know, when emerging writers come to you and say they don't want to learn, then then they're not writer, then they're not artists. Then mm. they're you know there's a difference between a craftsman and an artist who who it's always about you know to steal Ed Solomon's. What is it now? Like you know it's a constant relearning with every character and every story what it is, how this works. Um, so I just think that is you have to have some curiosity uh, uh, to be a beginner. Beginner's mind just keeps coming back and back and back every time. Beginner's mind, it's very zen.
Hey everyone, so the new version of Final Draft, Final Draft 13, is out. And you know, the question's going around, is it worth it? Is it worth it to buy or upgrade? And our answer is yes. So I recently got notes on a pilot and I wanna see how it works in my rewrite to move a couple of scenes. And usually what I do is, you know, cut and paste. Uh, which works out sometimes, but mostly it means I lose text because I move so quickly. But the new version of Final Draft has this cool feature called Navigator 2.0, where you can actually just move scenes around right in your script. So without losing something, I can see what's working, what I'm missing, or what needs to be rewritten, or you know if I have to lose the scene altogether. But it's really, really helpful. And what's most important to me about this is that I'm not losing anything. Woohoo! Yes. I am laying out a new project and I want to card it and I can now do that inside of Final Draft and it's now a super easy way. You can take those cards and then make them into an outline with a simple drag and drop. So it's just a great way to see the larger story that you're writing and get down the details, track characters. I just love it. And for our emerging writers, a great new feature is Final Draft lets you set writing goals like page count or timed writing sprints, which is super cool. So uh, we think the new version is really worth uh, investing in. So you can head over to finaldraft.com slash products to get the new version with a discount code of ScreenFD for 25% off. You should check it out. That's ScreenFD. S-C-R-E-E-N-F-D. So, Joey, can you just, let's just start by what Roadmap Writers is and and what you do. Let's just start with the Yeah. Um, So we've had Roadmap for a little over six years. And for what we do at Roadmap, we train writers. Um, We're not really a screenwriting 101 organization. We're not really for writers who've never done this before. Um, We're really for writers who want this as a career, um, have written a couple of scripts, but really want to finesse, rewrite, um, a lot of what we do, I mean, what I do at Roadmap is the marketing and connecting writers with execs. Another thing I did all weekend was reading writers' scripts. We just did this um, free initiative where we received probably a thousand scripts. Um, and my job is just to read pages from them and see if I can help market them for free. Um, and so I did that <laughs> a lot throughout the weekend. Um, so the backbone of our company is called the Career Writer Program, where writers learn first how to pitch, then going into like honing their marketing strategy, then finessing their pages, and then actually pitching to execs and marketing opportunities. So for us, we're, we're not really class after class after class. We really want to provide something where there's a light at the end of the tunnel, where you're learning, but you could put that into practice by going into the room. I've worked with writers for a little over 10 years, And one of the biggest downfalls I see for writers doing is they have five scripts, six scripts, and they write, 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 write. And then they go into a room, they don't know how to pitch. They don't know what their personal log line is. They don't know how, how, they don't know how to have like the before and after conversation before the pitch and after the pitch. Um, So they kind of come in a little robotic. And so for us, it's about telling the writers you're a human first and a writer second. Um, and really providing programs and classes to help them outside just writing the script. So you're not getting a script and then developing it like me. I mean, or are you? So let's say this writer comes to you and they have five samples and you're like, wow, this is a, a great writer. 
are you saying, okay, of these five, let's work on these three as your samples? And because you just said finesse, which I, I'm always like, wait, does that people actually just all they have to do is finesse? That actually happens. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You're here, comma there. <laughs> I'm literally uh, like, no, it's due. Okay, I'm done. Yeah. Um, so how, do, how can you just take me through that part first? Yeah. Because then I want, then we'll get into the marketing and all of that amazing stuff. So we have like one-off incubators where a writer could come and just with an idea and develop the script with an executive. Um, before anybody joins the career writer program, which is the backbone of our company, they have to have at least two scripts written. Um, so before that, they could either develop it in an incubator or develop it privately outside of Roadmap. Um, but we do have classes to help writers with their characters, like uh, Lorian's doing. Um, we do have classes where um, writers develop their scripts um, to even to like the minutia of like dialogue or writing sci-fi or writing animation. So it's a little bit of everything. But are you kind of saying, okay, you've rewritten your two scripts, you're ready? Like you're ready for us to talk about, to be go out into the world, you're out of the nest and we're determining these scripts are ready or is it more the writer determining, I think I'm ready. And then you kind of just move from there. It definitely our side. Like we'll have to, we'll read the script, um, see if I feel like the writer, not only is a good writer, but knows who they are as a writer, um, knows what their voice is, what their point of view is. Um, so yes, we do read the material first. And then especially in the crew writer program, they have to get evaluated before they move to the final step. I mean, there as a team, we decide who would be in top tier, which is our last step um, where they do a lot of the marketing with execs. They have pitch fest that the execs come from like Netflix, Amazon, they don't get paid to be there. Um, and most of our success stories come from writers in our top tier program. Can you talk a little bit about knowing who you are as a person, being a human, that personal log line idea? Yeah, I love this stuff. I love, I'm such like a nerd. Um, but maybe because I'm dealing with my own, <laughs> my own things about who I am as a human. But so I've been working with writers for a little over 10 years. One of the most interesting shifts in the past two years is before that exactly like I'm looking for a sci-fi writer, I'm looking for an, an action writer or whatever. Now the calls to action I'm getting is we're looking for writers with unique points of views. We're looking for writers with interesting backstories, with something interesting to say. Um, so I think it's important for a writer to know who they are as a human and how that could influence their writing, um, which is directly connected with their personal logline. The personal logline, in my opinion, is usually the one thing, the one main thing that you suppress the most growing up. The one thing that you were afraid of people to know, the one thing that made you feel different so you had to squash it. Now that's the magic sauce for today. I feel like execs are looking for familiar foundations, but shown through a different perspective. So if it's, if I want to pitch like Baby Driver, I might say, think Fast and the Furious, but with Jesse Eisenberg as the lead. We know what Fast and the Furious is, but we haven't necessarily seen it with this kind of quirky, unique character behind the wheel, no pun intended. Uh, so the personal logline for me is who you are as a human and how that can provide a point of view into your stories. Do you have an can you example? Just show up and go, shame. What do you say? <laughs> can you just show up and be like, shame? And then you with walk a smile. Out. Yeah. <laughs> shame with a smile. Done. Sold. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in yeah, terms give... of like an, an example, there was 
a writer I was working with, um, that two, there's two that come to mind, but I guess I'll do um, one of them. Uh, a while ago, we were doing a TV fellowship with this writer, Asia Squire, who I'm like obsessed with. And we were going around the room and I was asking people like, why you're writing? Tell me about yourself. And when she told me why she writes, and this is probably like five years ago, to myself, I said, this is a star. I'm sitting next to somebody very special. This is somebody who knows who they are. They're unapologetic about who they are. They know that they're not going to appease everybody, but they know like when they do find somebody that connects with their voice, it's going to be magic. Um, she was, there was such a confidence with, it wasn't cocky, but it was confidence. She knew who she was. She knew what, um, how, what, who she is as a human and how she was able to put it into her writing. Um, she was just staffed on Bridgerton. Um, she's writing and uh, the first lady. Uh, so she's crushing it. And I knew it. Like, I don't, I wish I knew every time I was, <laughs> I wish I was that good. But at that moment, I was like, oh, this is clear. This is. Can you share clear. what she said or is that too personal? No, yeah. I mean, she is a queer POC human. Um, so she writes characters that either embody that, maybe feel like an outsider, um, identify as queer, um, feel different. And that's, so she puts that into her characters. Um, she very character driven. Um, she's, I, I think I'm allowed to say this, but yes, yeah, public. So she's writing something now for Universal or Disney. Um, that's kind of like Harry Potter-esque, but with a young POC girl as the lead. Um, and that's what I'm talking about. Like once they're looking for somebody that is you, it's undeniable. Like, oh no, it has to be Asia. This is she, this is her jam. This is her bread and butter versus writers. Sometimes I feel like they try to write a little bit of everything um, and they're a little too kind of frenetic with their portfolio and they don't really sit down and meditate and be like, this is who I am. This is what makes me different than the other people. Um, and people like her, Jackie Brown, Ward Perry, just as writers I've worked with that are doing quite well right now. Um, they know who they are and they're unapologetic about it. And I'm obsessed. So have you, have you ever considered opening a second branch for writers who have been established and yet now don't know who they are anymore? <laughs> That's so interesting. I because, think you I... know, after a while, like you can change or you want a different challenge or, and suddenly you're like, like you're literally saying this and I'm like, oh my God, I have no idea. I have no idea what this is. <laughs> like to re Meg, are you talking about like pivoting, like rebranding or going back to the fundamental of who am I? What do I bring? Why me? Yeah, what do I, I think the say? fundamental, I think the fundamental, you can get so caught up in the work and, you know, I listen, high class problem, I know, but I'm just saying there is a whole other bucket of people, which is caught up in the work, you know, trying to get the jobs because, you know, as soon as you're quote unquote, a professional writer, you are still out there, man, trying to get the jobs, pitching, you're doing all that stuff. And even those skills might be good, but, you know, to be able to now say, well, this is what I bring specifically. I can talk about that in terms of stuff I love and the kind of stories I love, but if I had to reflect to myself, you know, I don't know. It's an interesting thing. It's I, when you're saying a personal log line, I guess my, what I'm saying is I don't know what mine would be. Um, and it is because I grew up in the time when it was very much right to a genre and, you know, even just to be a woman was a big deal. That's how I, when I came into the industry. So, you know, you know it's an interesting thing to have some of the pros catch up. Yeah. And I feel like to what you're saying before is like, maybe like a few months ago, I was working with a staff writer from Reacher 
that's currently on Reacher. And she was just looking for some extra help trying to find representation. Um, and working with her, we were able to get her signed to a couple of places um, to manager and agent. So I think it's the, the writers and going back to what we were saying before, the writers that are just open, they kind of not surrender to the process, but they're not, they're okay with asking for help. They're okay with being like, I don't know the answer to this. Um, I'm not saying that I know the answer to it or anybody does. Sometimes just you have to reflect by yourself, but it's- Do you take them through a process, which I, you don't have to give away here, but just so we know, do you take them through a process to get to that personal log? Yes. Yeah, so usually it's kind of, I don't ever tell them what their personal log line is. I think it's very personal, but um, I do look at their scripts and say like, I, what about you? Like when I, when writers are pitching, I think it's very important that they start with an ease into the pitch, a little antidote about them, their, why they write in the first place. Um, oh, not, not why they write in the first place, but what connects them to this story. Um, so I'm an, this is not me, but I immigrated from Chile and I, the first political figure I saw when I came here was this one. And I was so inspired being an LGBTQ plus person um that the change she was trying to do and I was so interested in this sliver of her life and then you know that's why I was so gravitated towards the story so like that's an ease into the pitch versus sitting down with a group of execs and then you just jump in and say it's a sci-fi drama and it takes place in post-apocalyptic France and blah 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 and they're like wait like what where's the humanity what why are you the perfect person to write this so that ease in to the pitch is something I teach writers all the time before you jump in reflect, humanize, and then talk about it. Can you, 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 I know a big part of your uh, mission statement is helping writers, you know, like you said, who are you, but then finding representation. Can you talk a little bit about expectations that you feel like emerging writers have about getting representation? So like, like you need to know who you are, what you want to do sort of before you get into that relationship. But I, I'm wondering if, if there are expectations that that relationship is going to tell you who you well, are. I think that's so true. You. It's such a great question because I think that they're waiting for this knighting of themselves and this agent will tell you who you are and what you can do and that you're worthy. So how do you manage yeah, that and talk great, about that? Great yeah. question. I feel like I'm going to like break that off into two questions that are two answers rather. The one is expectations in general. Um, it is so hard. There are so many writers out there and it's overwhelming. Um, but I always tell people that feel overwhelmed. If you sliver off the writers who don't know who they are as a human, if you sliver off the writers that um, don't know how to own the room, it becomes a fraction of a fraction. Um, that's still a lot of people, but um, you do now compete with a smaller pool of writers. But expectations in getting signed or even getting any kind of interest from an exec, it could take a while. I mean, you have to know that it is a numbers game sometime. Sometimes the smallest shift in how you're pitching or uh, prioritizing a different script can make a huge difference in terms of like getting traction, but you have to like be open to it. But I do work with, you know, a lot of writers who come in sometimes, I don't know who they are and they get frustrated and mad. It's like, I've been pitching for two months and how come nobody signed me? And this person gave me this advice and this person gave me that advice and this conflicting advice. Um, and I'm like, okay, no, this is the industry. Um, so it's sometimes frustrating dealing with people who don't get it, but when writers- Two do months, two months. I know. That's, <laughs> dude, I know. <laughs> come and talk to me in two years. Like, yes, I'm sorry. I like, 
two months. Like even to get a job when you're a pro can take six months to a year. Like that's just, that's just the timeline. And then six more months to close the deal. I get paid like that. Sorry (laughs) to burst everybody's bubble, but But I was, it was like, I was talking to a writer who just got signed and like, yeah, I've been with him for two weeks, but you know, we haven't really sold anything yet. I'm like two weeks. Sorry. Call me in two years. I'm blocking your number, and then I'll unblock it in two years, and then you call me. I there's definitely like, I mean, there's I you have to like getting signed doesn't mean like okay, let me get my pina colada and wait for them to do everything. You have to. They are a manager. They have to manage something. They have to manage your career. So you have to be out there. An exec said this to me once that if they're getting fifteen percent or ten percent, you have to do eighty-five to ninety percent of the work. And, and they do, they could come in and t- set up some meetings, but you have to be proactive at all times. So I do hope that writers know that like the expectation of getting signed is not the end. Like that's step one or step two. After that, then you have to like learn how to communicate with your exa- with your rep and the do's and don'ts and how to go into a room and taking feedback. So it's just, there's so much to it. And I think writers, sometimes they don't understand what a journey it is. Unfortunately, the the manager, the manager is, I mean, can we just talk about representation for a little bit? Cause I know that's a big mission statement is someone on your team. It's not someone who works for you. It's not someone who, who tells you what to do, right? This is a partnership, but I do love what you said about, I have to do 90% of the work if they are going to do 10% of the work, which is straight up truth. And it's also figuring out that like, sometimes people, and this gets me more frustrated than anything. It's like, I just want to talk to the heads of agencies. I don't want to talk to a junior manager. I don't want to do this. It's like, you are Kevin Huvain, the head of CAA would never even take a meeting with you. Um, and I love Kevin. That's not a slight to him. I'm obsessed with him. He's a friend, but I'm saying like, he's dealing with people, the A-listers. So you have to and a, a producer said this to me once, Howard Roseman, when I came out here, I was trying to hang out with the Kevin Huvains, the Chuck James, like, you know, the Barry Dillers and just trying to like get in with them. And Howard said, no, you have to start with the people on your level and grow with the people on your level. So then you guys could grow through the industry together. These people, these higher ups, they don't, they don't care about your growth as much as the people that you're growing up with. And I just say that's so funny because if it's the same Chuck James, I worked at ICM as an assistant with Chuck James. So it's just that's so now fun. you're 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 naming him as this person that, you know, forget it, forget it. I mean, it is true, but it's also like the kind of representation you need. Like when I was looking for representation, I I had meetings at the super, super big agencies, but I decided that I wanted to go with boutique because that was best for me. And I also really was interested in somebody who was going to succeed when I succeeded, that they are in it to win it. They want to, they're going to grow with you, right? I just think that uh, versus having Kevin Kuvain represent you, that might be great for, I don't know, like he, he's got a lot to do. Yeah, <laughs> he's got a lot sure. of fish to fry, right? He's got a lot going on. It's like the big, our biggest success stories in terms of writers getting signed and then something happening are from the boutique companies. The ones that are smaller, maybe with one person or two people um, versus like the CAAs or WMEs, they get a little swallowed up. But in terms of like writers getting staff, selling shows, getting produced, like it's those, it's the more boutique ones that are hungrier to your point. Like they succeed because you succeed. So yeah, totally. Joey, this is a question I might want to cut. And Megan, Lauren, you can shut me up if this is like broaching territory that feels hot. But 
I, I wonder right now if there are folks who are listening who think like, I am like a straight white cishet male who came from an upper middle class family with a lot of privilege. And I don't know if I have much to say. Like one of my favorite things about the business right now is the fact that we finally have stories that are being told about people who aren't me. Um, but at the same time, I wonder if there are folks who think like, do I belong in a landscape anymore where I don't necessarily have like immediately identifiable trauma that I can take with me to tell my stories with? And I like I this question because I have an 18 year old white cis male. Well, we'll find out. I'm not sure exactly yet, but uh, you know, who is going to film school and part, you know, and I, I'm telling them all the time, dude, you now have to work five times as hard as everybody else. Right. And I, by the way, I'm totally fine with that. It's 3000 right. years, the other direction. Um, we had a good run. <laughs> you had a good run, but I think it's a, it's a very relevant question. By the way, that reminds me of the last on um, the trailer of bros. Do you guys see the trailers? Not yet. No, I'm hearing it's so good. At the end, they say the straights, they had a good run. Um, (laughs) And I think it's so funny. I can't wait to see that movie. I love Billy Eichner. But um, that's such a good question because I do get that from um, cis white men, maybe over 50 or whatever, that feel like they've been working so hard for all these years. And now it feels like now nobody will see them um, because of that. I don't necessarily think that's true to an extent i'm just thinking of some of our last writers that have gone signed um there's definitely a number of them that are cis white straight men um but i do think it is maybe it's kind of maneuvering a little bit and staffing might be a little bit harder um but it's i do think at that point it's really carving out a niche for you and really carving out like what makes you different um some of the writers that have gone staffed through us um well, in terms of like us helping them get staff or getting signed to lead them getting staff is because they have a very specific background that that place was looking for. Um, it could be as extreme as working as this for the CIA um, or it could be even like growing up older and being older and how the world sees you and how you see the world. You have to take what you are as a, I said this before, but as a human and put it into your writing because that no matter who you are, white, black, straight, gay, that is gonna make you different than everybody else. So whatever, and if you're feeling like an outsider, like put that into your scripts and see how that shows through your characters. It's but funny because I was saying to my son, he's gonna to go to film school and all, they're all gonna make little short films about like Star Trek. And, you know, they're all gonna to try to do these big assassin movies. And I'm like, but really do what you are. You are a, you know, gonna be 20 something kid who's maybe gonna fall in love. You know, like, I'm not saying that can't be on Mars, but like, please, do you, that, that authenticity is really what's gonna get you somewhere. There's one thing that always stood out to me. So Chris Nolan, his first film following, I thought this was fascinating. In one of the scenes in the backdrop, there's a, pic, there's a picture hanging and it's a logo of Batman. Cut to him doing Batman. And it's just so interesting. Like he knew like, even through his character, like what he wanted and what kind of writer and filmmaker he was directly leading to making one of the biggest movies ever. So I do agree, like you have to look into yourself more. I think too many times writers will look at other people and be like, oh, I want that, I want that, I have to do that. But look into yourself, it's very what like- What you're obsessed with and what you do in your free time and all that stuff. Well, how do you brand? What's the, when you say brand, let's just talk about what branding means and, and how yeah. that happens. So I kind of like the cleanest brand is, um, I write sci-fi or I write action or I write drama. Um, but a brand could be like, what is the connecting tissue between your stories? Especially for an emerging writer, sometimes 
writers hate when I say this, but I do think you should be pigeonholed at the beginning. I do think you should be typecast at the beginning. Um, there's too much competition for a, a buyer to go to a, a rep and be like, I'm looking for a sci-fi writer. And then be like, well, I'm, I have two writers. One that writes just sci-fi and has six samples and one that has one sci-fi and one animation and one drama and one action. I'm going to put this one up first because they have more of that, that foundation. So I do think you should be typecasted and know who you are, stay in your lane at the beginning. That doesn't mean you'll never be able to write other things again, but just stay in your lane at the beginning. Um, I, you, I agree a hundred percent, a hundred percent. If you want to do this professionally, this is the ticket into the game. It's yeah. You have to really think about it as what, how am I going to be set different from other people? Um, and the brand could also be like, I write female characters that do this, or I write LGBT characters that write this. I think kind of also echoing what you were saying before, Jeff, and this is a question I get often, is that if you're not, if you don't identify as LGBT, can you write LGBT stories? If you're not a person of color, can you write stories with people of color? Um, and I do think the answer is yes, but you have to make sure that you get people that are identify as such and read it and make sure that it's authentic um, and not just write it because you think it's cool, but you have to, especially now, the package that the script is going out with, even with the writer, is like they have to know that it's authentic from writer to director. Well, that's what I'm seeing anyway on my side. So how do you advise writers um, to know where you are right? And okay, I have six sci-fi samples. This is what I'm good at right now. And then integrate that into where they want to be, right? Yeah. Because that's a question I get all the time from a manager. Let's check in again. Is this project that you might say yes to helping you on the path to get where you want to be? And then I think about it. I'm like, okay, no, because where I want to be is here because it's always so exciting. Like, oh, but they want me, maybe that, right? But I have to stay focused, but I'm in a different point in my career right so when you're an emerging writer what is that like yeah by the way I'm having just at this like I'm having an outer body experience right now just being here talking to you to you all <laughs> so just for a second I was like I just checked in with myself like Joey what's going on um but uh <laughs> so yes I especially when going to reps it is very rare that a rep would be like let me read five of your scripts and then we can figure it out from there usually they'd be like let me just read two I, I tell writers when going into a meeting have two solid scripts and a bunch of ideas because a manager, a rep will probably be like, okay, this is good. Let's get this out. But in the meantime, let's develop something together. I love this idea. Let's develop this from the ground up because they want to put their, you know, thumbprint on it. So I think it's about going in with two scripts that are similar in genre, similar in brand. Um, if I'm pitching somebody and I'm giving them an animation and they're like, this is great. The rep send me something else. And then I send them saw they're going to be like, whoa, this is so different. How do I know this writer could only write that animation? How do I know this person? Um, that's just not a fluke. Like I want to write, see something that's similar in brand. Um, so I think you should have two to three scripts that are similar in terms of like genre. Obviously the concept should be different. I'm not saying just write the sequel to it, um, but similar in brand, have a bunch of ideas and then work with your rep and see like what makes sense for you. Also going in and knowing who you are and don't just, don't have the rep decide who you are. You have to go in. And a lot of times I, people don't know, a lot of people don't know what they're talking about. So when you go in and you're confident about like who you are, it influences the person like, wow, they're so confident who they are. Now I feel more confident that they, 
that they know what they're talking about versus like, I don't know, I could do totally. this. What do you think? It's just like- and that they can go into a room and convince executives to buy something, right? It does take a little bit of chutzpah to, or yeah. at least passion about your project or yourself or something to get them excited and passionate. I mean, what for you- you know, are some things that you teach writers about, let's say a general meeting, like I'm sure that's, or what are the mistakes that people make? Yeah. I mean, first off too, I'm not a writer. So I, I always tell writers this too, like I could teach you, but if I went into a room with six execs from Netflix, I would just pee in my pants and then just walk out and not say a single word. <laughs> so it's much harder than it looks. I get it. Uh, but I do think that there is the expectation. So you, when you go into a meeting for a general meeting, it's not an interview. You're not going there. You're not politely answering every question and just saying, thank you so much. Here's my two word answer, concise, and let's go on to the next thing. It's really showing them that you are cool to work with, that you could own the room, that you did your homework, that you could hold a conversation. Um, and also knowing for the writer side that the expectation is I'm not going to go into a meeting with Atlas Entertainment and they're going to buy my script. Going in with the expectation, like, okay, I know the chances of them buying the script in the room is very small. I just want to show them that I know who I am. I can hold a conversation and that we could be friends. We could be allies. Um, and one of my favorite examples of this is there was a writer I was working with a while ago, Frank Ponce, who I'm meeting actually in an hour. Um, he went in, I got a meeting with Atlas Entertainment and he went and he did his homework. He loved Wonder Woman. He loved Suicide Squad. He talked about it. They, him and the exec had a great conversation before Frank pitched anything. And then the exec said, okay, tell me the story, your story. Frank did. And the exec said, that's not right for us, but what else do you have? If they didn't have that camaraderie at the beginning, the exec would have been like, thank you so much. We don't validate, get out. Um, but they did. And Frank had another idea. It was a kernel of an idea. It was an evil Knievel biopic. Long story short, they developed it together. They got the rights and Universal bought it um, after they developed it and wrote the script and got the rights. So it's just knowing that the expectation is that not like, I'm going to sell this in the room, but it's like, I want this person to remember me and they'll email me two months from now and let me know that they're still alive and they're open to other ideas. And remember me because okay, we connected so over something, right? Not just because I'm you know, like that there is a human connection. There's a human being there. They're tired. They're meeting tons of people and they're looking for you. Go ahead, Lauren. What do you do after a general? A great <laughs> meeting. No. So great. What just had like, what else do you have? Amazing. Let's keep talking. They say you get home or you log off. What happens next? It's so a uh, great question. So it's so interesting because there's some times where a writer will leave a room and be like, that was the best meeting of all time. I did it. They start looking at the Porsches, the car, the houses in Beverly Hills, and they never hear from the exec again. And they're like, wait, I thought it was a good meeting. Why is the person not responding? Or, oh, that was the worst meeting ever. They start selling their cars. <laughs> they start selling the house. And then they say, oh, they, let's keep in touch. So in terms of afterwards, it, to Meg's point too, is finding the common ground. If you, let's say this, if you had the meeting and that you exchanged emails, um, if they just said, here's my email, let's keep in touch. The next email should not be, hey, here's a script, read it. Uh, I'll follow up in three weeks. They're gonna be like, oh God, this is a pain in the neck. But find what you connect with. I'm obsessed with RuPaul's Drag Race. So I talk about it often. So when somebody, when I meet with the writer, um, I like when writers kind of pop in like, oh, the new season's coming up. What do you think? It's just like, oh, cool. We're talking 
this is not like another pitch being shoved down my throat or another, I already have 500 scripts I have to read. I don't know if I have enough time to read another one. So it's just about connecting on a human level. It's the biggest thing. I love that. Jeff, you had a question. Well, actually, and this is partly uh, one of our interns, Boris, submitted a question that he was interested in, and I'll kind of piggyback off of it. But we've had some writers come in and say, like, the best way to discover sort of who you are and what your voice is, is to just get to the page and write and you'll see it. But if I'm hearing you right, there's also an element of take stock of your life, figure out what your voice is, and then get to the page and write that way. I don't know if this question makes sense, but I'd kind of be curious to hear what you have to say, because I feel like we've heard kind of both on the show and maybe the answer is yes. And right. Like maybe both is sort of the way to think about it. I mean, maybe I'm just, I, may, I just saw the trailer. So forgive me. I'm just talking about this a lot, but when I think of like bros or when I think of train wreck, which people are comparing to bros, it's like, you look at the writer and you're like, well, that's the perfect person to write train wreck. Oh, that's the perfect person to write bros. Um, so I definitely feel like at least for the first thing you're getting out there, it should be so undeniably you. It doesn't mean write a memoir, but, and I don't suggest you doing that, but it has to be like what you're going through now as a human, um, before you put the pen to paper. Um, if you're writing and halfway through, you're like, oh, this isn't me. To Meg's point that you said earlier, it's like, if you're going to start going backwards and fixing things, it's so time consuming. You're like, I wish I just figured this out from the beginning. Yeah, but so you I can't. But just to be fair, I mean, it's going to take like five drafts to figure that out, yeah. which I guess is the question, right? I think just to re-ask re the question a different way in terms of do you find yourself and who you are and what you have to give and what you love to write and that sample that represents you by writing or by doing self-reflection, maybe memoir stuff, or is there other ways other than writing the script? I think it's an addition to, um, because writing is a different part of your brain than the analytical part. Um, but how are some other ways that you can find that about yourself? What, what, what do you have people go look for or look at? Yeah, without being too cheesy, living, going out. When, I, when I'm, I'm not a writer, but when I'm feeling overwhelmed and I'm feeling like stuck, just like, in my day to day, I stop what I do and I go to the, I go to the animal shelter and I, and I spend time with the animals and I see things in a different way. It opens up my mind. So I think if you are feeling stuck, shut off the computer and go for a walk, do something that's maybe a little outside your comfort zone. Um, do something that you love to do, just go out and step away from your computer and let your brain kind of relax and enjoy stimulus and and inspiration will maybe so, but i also hear you saying that when you put off turn off your computer even looking at what you do want to go do tells you something about yourself to yeah. get that self-reflection and to start being able to see yourself do you have any writing exercises that you have people do to learn about themselves i think everybody should read the alchemist i think it's such a great book and it's such a it's something that's always stood with me. This is God, without spoiler alert for the alchemist. Um, but it's a guy who like, I don't remember is like, he knows that there's a treasure. He travels the world. He's looking for the treasure, looking for the treasure at the end. He, he ends up exactly where he started and the treasure was underneath him the whole time. So I think that you should reflect and meditate and figure out. And I do think going back to the personal log line is like, if you're struggling with what your personal log line is, like, Go back, go back to when you were growing up and what made you feel different. Maybe you suppressed it so much that you are kind of, it's kind of lost a little bit. So go back to like the child self. Um, and I think that could kind of open up some doors. 
So what I'm taking away from this conversation is that I am the treasure. That's right. You are the treasure. Yeah, yeah, I am are. the treasure. And you are the treasure. That's not under me. I am the treasure. But right? I also and I, I think that's yeah. what you're looking for for a writer to come and say, like, here's why I'm the treasure. Yes. And yeah. I love what you said at the beginning, Joey, that because I say this often in a different way, but it's the same. You know, I talk a lot about belief systems for your character and what are their belief systems. And then you have to look at your own belief systems. And that often the thing that helped you survive your childhood is now killing you as an adult, meaning to survive my childhood, I had to disappear. There were five kids. There was, it was just chaos. You were, if you, if you showed up too much, you were going down. And, but now to be a professional writer, that'll kill me. Right. So I hear you saying the reverse, which is this thing that you buried or were afraid of or felt like it was too painful is actually the gold is actually the treasure that you need to go back and see it in a new way as the specificity of who you are. Exactly. And I know sometimes it could be scary, um, but to Lauren, to your point too, is like when you realize that you are the treasure and then you go into the room, when you're in the room, in the room, in the room, you're going to have a certain kind of confidence. I've, for me in my career now, I've, I'm caring less what other people think. Um, before it was like, I have to make everybody love me. Everybody has to think I'm, you know, very, you know, whatever. But now I'm like, I don't care as much. Um, and to me, it's given me more power. And I think that it's like, I know we're, I'm not going to make everybody happy. And I know nobody can make anybody happy, but you have to go in and be like, I'm enough. Um, yeah, because if you think about it, if you're going in and trying to please everybody, you're never going to find your people because you're being all people. But if you go in and be like, this is who I am. This is what I write well. This is what I'm passionate about writing. This is what I'm really interested in. And it comes from this very personal place, Um, which could just be parenting, by the way. That's how he pitched Nemo, right? As a dad, I don't know how to do this, how to protect my child and let him fail at the same time, right? It It doesn't have to be trauma necessarily. It can be what you're wrestling with. But then you're going to find your people because you will connect with the people who also are feeling that or also interested in that. But if you're just being bland and kind of broad, you'll never find your people. Totally agree. Totally, totally agree. I have a question. Um, well, a viewer, let me ask the um, listener question first. Um, we had a, a listener, Elliot, ask, does this, how this applies or do you know about, inter- or do you take on international writers? Um, uh, yeah. We do work with, um, I don't know how much, I can't say, well, again, to the answer, yes, we do work with international writers. Um, I know a lot of our programs are catered to execs in Los Angeles. So a lot of times you have to do like a 6 p.m. class, which is like in the middle of the night in the UK. Um, We do every three or four months, we offer um, specific programs that are just in the mornings. Um, When I say three or four months. I mean like the crew writer program, step one, um, every three to four months, we start one earlier for the UK ones, but a lot of our classes are Saturdays in the mornings, um, Sundays in the mornings, uh, so, which is good for them. But yeah. you're teaching too, or, or, or you're developing or helping them figure out the, the U S system, right? Like in Australia, they have a lot of financing through the government, their audiences are different. I know they're older. That that would have to be on that international writer, right? To or do no. you know all those different systems? Definitely do not. We did something recently with um, we, it was called the Creative Corridor with the Independent Film Trust in the UK, and we partnered and we did like an international thing where the US writers that we pick pitched to UK execs and the UK pitched to US US execs, and we had like Netflix and BBC and so cool. Pro- 
I yeah, want to pitch to BBC. Awesome. It was so interesting to see like the other side. So we're going to start doing more of that, but um, yeah. I yep. love it. Well, before yeah. we leave, we always ask the, our guests three, the same three questions. So we're going to ask you. Um, the first one is, what gives you the most joy about your job, doing what you do? <clears throat> the most joy, I mean, it has to be, I, though I love writers from all over the place, most writers from all over the place, I, there's something special about a writer that doesn't live in Los Angeles or maybe doesn't live in, in the United States and has a very kind of, uh, kind of like uh, there's like a moat around them where they can't normally get to the industry and something happens for them to me that's just so exciting and it just shows that you could be anywhere in the world to succeed so I would say that is something that I, I love the most that's awesome all right what pisses you off about what you do well I'm gonna say the ignorance of somebody not understanding or not even trying to understand or making judgments of something that they haven't even done. Do you have a specific moment in your journey with Roadmap that you feel like it's like a moment you can point to and say like, I'm most proud of this. I think you kind of answered it with your first question of helping an international or kind of unsuspecting writer towards success. But I don't know if there's like a moment you can point to. Most proud moments. Right, what uh, you'd like to be remembered for. That's better that you want to be remembered for. I probably should have just asked the question. <laughs> no, I mean, they, both questions are great. Uh, I'm just so obsessed about good people, good hearts, good human beings. And I will spend more time helping somebody that is a good person with a good soul, that is a good writer versus an amazing writer that's a bad person. Thank you so much for coming on the show today and talking with us. It was uh, yeah, thank really you so much, Joey. Lovely. And Joey, I'm so excited because Joey and I are going to Africa together. We're going on a screenwriting safari, and Joey is and I are both going to work with our individual writers and uh, you know the whole group uh, to help develop them as writers. And we get to go on safaris all together. How you know that's going to be an experience. So uh, I'm really excited about that too. Yeah. Thank you. I, I mean, think it was so helpful for our, our listeners. Thank you for inviting me. I have heard about you all for so long from so many writers and that are just obsessed, like obsessed <laughs> so in a good way, in a great way. So it's just, it's a, it's amazing. And thank you for inviting me and Jeff, thanks for coordinating and Savannah and Boris, thank you for being here too. And uh, yeah. All thank right. Thank you. Thank awesome. you. Cool. Uh, Bye, Joey. Joey, thank you so much. And to our listeners, if you haven't yet, make sure you join our Facebook group. There's a great community over there and a place where you can get your questions answered. And also check out our Patreon where we're downloading more specific craft information and building a wonderful community. And remember, you are not alone and keep writing. Thanks for tuning in to The Screenwriting Life. We love our community and we want to get to know you even better. Join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash the screenwriting life or email us at the screenwriting life at gmail.com to have your question considered for the show. You can also suggest topics by emailing us there. Also, we'd love for you to drop us a review on Apple Podcasts. Even if we don't read your review on air, trust me, we have read it. And not only does it mean the world to us, but it helps other people find the show. We've always been driven by mission and mentorship and reviewing our show helps expand that mission. And of course, until next Sunday, happy writing.